Hello, soccer fans, and welcome to the second episode of the Fantasy Doctors Soccer Podcast. We are your po- hosts here, data analyst Ben Dinnery, here with myself, Andy Serafin. And here at the Fantasy Doctors, we use our expertise in the world of sports, as well as medicine, to bring you the most up-to-date injury news. So, Ben, how are you doing today on Boxing Day? I'm good, Andy. Uh, thank you very much for, for inviting me along again, and, and Merry Christmas. I hope you had a good one. Merry Christmas to you as well, as well as to all of our listeners out there. Uh, We had a great boxing day here in the Premier League. Um, We just finished actually watching the Liverpool game, so why don't we start there in terms of injuries. Um, Jordan Henderson actually going down uh, a few days ago with a hamstring injury at possibly what is the worst time for a hamstring injury for this club. Um, He'll be about Six weeks out until he is back on the field. Um, with Liverpool having six other injuries at this time, how do you think um, Liverpool is going to cope with this injury? Um, to me, um, you know, the loss of Henderson, yes, it's a blow. Is it the worst thing that could possibly happen? Um, I don't think so. You know, they've, they've got quite a lot of depth in that squad. You know, you, you've got the likes of Genie Wijnaldum who come, come on at the Emirates and, and started against Swansea this evening. Um, you know, he can do a, a good job in there. Um, and he can sit alongside Emery Chan. Now, you know, Klopp tends to go with, you know, one or two formations, either in a 4-2-3-1, in which case, you know, Chan and, and, and Henderson would have sat in there, but you can sit in with Ronaldo. Or if he decides to go with a 4-3-3, you know, then you can bring in the likes of maybe James Milner, um, you know, versatile, um, he can do a solid job. So, you know, it, yes, it's a problem, but other worst things that could have happened, definitely. Yep, definitely, I agree as well. And I'm just looking at their upcoming fixture list here. Um, their next six games are Leicester, Burnley, Everton, City, which will be a tough one, Swansea, and Huddersfield. So they can kind of manipulate their formation to kind of just adjust for these injuries over the next few weeks until they get their squad back and healthy again. Um, in Arsenal in London, Giroud going down was also a hamstring injury, um, leaving Lacazette and um, Danny Welbeck as the only fit strikers at the time. Uh, how is this injury going to affect Arsenal, Ben? Well, again, you know, I, I think there's, there's certainly worse injuries Arsenal could have picked up. Um, you know, Giroud's um, be nothing more than a bit part player really in the Premier League this season um, mostly used as a, a, an impact from the bench where he's had a lot of success, he's got a lot of important goals um, you know, and, he, and he's sort of doing the last 15-20 minutes um, a, a real target man offers Arsenal something a little bit different um, you know, but this injury is, is a blow for him on a personal level and um, there's a lot of talk over here um, and suggesting that he could be away during the January window. And that could be tied in with, with the World Cup. Um, you know, his lack of minutes is a concern. Um, that potentially, that's threatening these players at, at, at a national team level. Um, but but for Arsenal, domestically, you know, like, like you alluded to, um, you know, Danny Welbeck is, is, is sort of itching to get back into the team as well. And, and he can provide, um, he's more than adequate backup to the likes of Lacazette. Um, you know, and and also, you know, you can even if we go back to last season, we look at um, 
where Alexis Sanchez had some of his best games of the season was in that lone striker role pushing on. Um, you know, and, and you could maybe sit um, players in behind uh, Sanchez with that. So, you know, Arsenal have got options. Yeah, my only worry actually for Arsenal is that, um, yes, you have options in Welbeck and, and in Alexis Sanchez, but I feel like sometimes you kind of just need um, like almost like a dog up front, especially with um, Arsenal playing twice against um, Chelsea in the coming weeks. Sometimes you need a big man in the Premier League to score some goals off of headers, set pieces. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, he's he's a big old unit. Is, is Giroud? You know, he's a he's a good target man, and he does offer something a little bit different. Um, I think Welbeck, you know, he, he's got a lot more of a, of a physical presence um, as as opposed to Lacazette. You know, so if if Arsenal maybe are change, chasing the game or they want to change, um, you know, and become a little bit more direct um, to maybe get a goal back, you know, as as the end of the sort of final phase of a match. You know, then I think you know Welbeck is is more than capable of, of going up there and doing a similar type of job. Although, granted, you know he, he's not going to be as good as a as a Giroud, but you know he, he's not a bad second option to have. Got you, got you. Um, going over to Everton, um, Rooney having a quite a good season this year, um, but his his form is kind of coming to an end here with him coming down with an illness. What's going on over there in Everton? Uh, yeah, um, so uh, Wayne Rooney was a surprise um, omission from the squad against uh, Chelsea, and that was a, a late withdrawal due to um, illness. Um, and there was very little sort of revealed by the club other than the fact that you know he, he was ruled out for that game. There was a lot of hope that he could return uh, at West Bromwich Albion on Boxing Day, and indeed he did actually travel with the squad, and, um, and, and Allardyce was hoping to involve him. Um, however, he was assessed by the club doctor, and he was... You know, he was subsequently sent home. Now, the concern for Everton um, is, is, again, is, is their lack of goals without Rooney. And the two games that he has missed, you know, they've, they've both drew a blank. And, yeah, they've walked away with a point, but both games have been nils each, which, you know, is, is a little bit of a concern for Sam Allardyce. And there are several other clubs in the Premier League right now that have um, double-digit injuries or close to. Uh, Watford having 10 injuries, born with, with eight. Um, clubs around Europe, Dortmund also with eight injuries. Why do you think these clubs have so many injuries at this time of the year, Ben? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, it's it's not just as simple as to come back and just say, you know, it's 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 one factor, it's this or it's the other. I think it's a, it's a culmination of the factors. There's, there's, there's a lot of issues, there's a lot of games. You know, certainly fatigue, um, is a problem at this time of year where, you know, the, the high proportion of games, players are, are, are playing a, a lot of minutes and, you know, it becomes almost, it's a little bit of a vicious cycle um, in the fact that, you know, these teams who whose squads are stretched aren't able to maybe rest the players that they want. Players are playing more minutes than really they should be and therefore they're sort of um, more at risk at, at higher uh, injury incident rates than they would sort of ordinarily, and we see that particularly around the, the you know the high number of sort of muscular problems. If we look at at, at Bournemouth, players like Charlie Daniels, he's been managing a, a groin problem in recent weeks. Um, Harry Arter, he's you know ongoing problems with his calf. 
Junior Stanislas with his hamstring. You know, those are players that probably Eddie Howe would have liked to sort of managed quite carefully over this programme. Just, but just because their squads are becoming a little bit stretched, they've had to be involved. And, you know, and subsequently they've suffered sort of setbacks in recent weeks, which is really going to have a, a huge impact, um, you know, particularly for the likes of, uh, of Bournemouth, who are now, you know, precariously close to the to the drop zone. Yep, I agree. I agree. You definitely hit it right on the head with the uh, muscular injuries there. Um, there are over 94 players out with injury right now in the Premier League. That said, it's actually brought to you by Ben Dinnery's own PremierInjuries.com. Definitely check that out. Um, and of those 94 injuries, there are a good percentage of them that are hamstring injuries or hamstring strains. And that's going to be the first muscle that's going to either get injured or that's going to go with these um, overuse or fatigue injuries. So clubs definitely need to keep an eye, an eye out on that. I'm sure all their physios and doctors and their trainers are all up to snuff on that. Um, going over to the rest of Europe, in Barcelona, Paco Alcacer went down with his what is right now an undisclosed thigh injury. Um, one can presume it's going to be a muscular injury in the thigh. Um, he'll be out for about three weeks, but because Spain has a break in their um, in their schedule, he should be back in time for January. Um, in terms of Dembele, I know a lot of my followers on Instagram, which is at Budinak, um, are always asking about Dembele. He should be back in time for the new year. Um, he is still recovering from that hamstring strain, but I think it's especially important for him to kind of take his time on that because he's going to be a very important player for the next few years for Barcelona on the wing. Um, and in Germany, Borussia Dortmund currently has eight players out with injury. Um, there's some very familiar names on that list, including Mario Goetze, uh, Maximilian Philipp, uh, Marco Royce with his ACL injury. Um, why do you think that some of these clubs are so uh, injury-prone, Ben? Is there anything in particular that, that clubs can do can, to reduce their injury rate? Well, again, I think you need to consider the, the types of injury these, these clubs are having. Um, you know, and <clears throat> again, it, it's if we look at the Premier League, you know, one of the, um, you know, if we were to talk about injuries, then you know a lot of people will instantly associate high number of incident rates with teams like Arsenal. Um, but the thing is, what you need to do is, is is look at the individual players, look at the specific injuries, and look at the, the dynamics behind those injuries, and also look at the, the you know the risk risk factors as to why those injuries may have occurred. You know, so we've touched upon um, you know fatigue um, being an issue and use injuries. Um, in, in, in squads being stretched and, and players playing, you know, sort of more injuries in use um, than, than they should be. But also, you know, players who have a history of, of injuries are, are more susceptible, are more prone to having injuries. So, you know, if you look at the likes of the, the Jack Wilchers of this world and the Aaron Ramsey, you know, they, they are more prone to picking up injuries, which is you know, why you will see them in the treatment room, you know, more often than the, the you know, players like maybe the Lauren Koscielny's of this world or the, you know, the Nacho Monreal's and, and so on and so forth. So, it's, you know, there is a little bit of um, luck involved. There are, you know, teams are certainly can be unlucky on occasion, but it's, 
you know, you need to consider the bigger picture, and it's not just the case of, you know, blanket and stuff and saying, you know, it, it's the medical department or it, it's it's the player's own fault. It's, you, you need to sort of scratch beneath the surface with that. And going off the whole overuse thing, there are some players that they play three, uh, two times a week playing the full match, players like Messi, Ronaldo, obviously, who are probably some of the fittest players in our lifetime. But there are several others that play maybe twice a week, 90 minutes each, that seem to kind of stay healthy the entire time. What are some of the things that they do or some of the things that these clubs can implement to kind of have these elite players play as many minutes as they do, but at the same time staying healthy? Yeah, well, I think, you know, that again, that can come down to a number of different factors. One, you may be looking at um, uh, the position and also, the you know, the type of player it is. If you're talking about quite an explosive and a, and a quick um, winger, you know, with, with quick changes in directions and explosive power, you know, what you're going to find is those players who are playing a lot of minutes are, are going to be prone to picking up muscular problems. You know, compare that to, um, you know, a central defender who maybe you know isn't is is as quick is maybe sort of more robust. You know you'll tend to see that those types of players you know don't pick up as many injuries. You know and and therefore are able to play a, a lot more um, minutes than their sort of um, than their counterparts. Um, so it's you know again it's about sports science departments now. You know, they know their players inside out. There is so much analysis that goes on, um, you know, on the training pitches and away from match day. Clubs now know, um, they know how to, to manage levels. They know what players are capable of. They know that once uh, a player's going into, you know, a red zone or they're being flagged as, you know, susceptible to pick up a problem, then they'll be either withdrawn or, or managed carefully. Um, you, you know, or arrested as a precaution, and you know, it's, I suppose it's about using that, um, you know, the technology that we've got, um, the the analysis and the expertise that's available, and and your own personal judgment from the experience of just sort of working uh, within the game, knowing that player, and you know, there's a lot of importance as well on on the player themselves. You know, Pep Guardiola has been out, you know, will quite openly admit. You know, Vincent Company will tell me when he's fit to play, and Vincent Company will tell me when he feels he can't stay on a pitch. You know, if he feels that there's an issue maybe in his calf, you know, given his problems in the past, you know, he will tell Pep right now is the time to to, to take me off. He, he has that trust in his player, and the player has you know the, the experience um, of of dealing with those injuries for for you know such a long period um, that. You know, again, he, he makes a decision for himself. Yeah, definitely it comes down to having trust between the player and the manager. I think another important aspect is uh, the style of play for the team. Um, for example, in the Premier League, it's a lot of action. It's a lot of uh, back-and-forth action between the two goals. And I think because of that, um, players are running more. They're sprinting more. They're coming to abrupt stops more which are all going to increase injury um, incidents. Um, but, for example, in Barcelona, uh, last week during the Classico, this stat is actually brought to you by Marca here, the magazine. Um, according to them, Lionel Messi, who was 
uh, undoubtedly man of the match, was actually walking for 80% of the match and was only sprinting for just 1% of it. So it, I think another way to look at it is how are these players spending their time on the pitch? Are they walking? Are they running? Are they sprinting back and forth and coming to these abrupt stops that can also cause injury? Yeah, to, totally agree with that, Andy. Yeah, it's it's about you know managing yourself on the on the pitch, and I, I find that quite an astounding stat, by the way. Um, that is that's something that I wasn't aware of, and that is ri- ridiculous. Um, I don't I don't think you'd get away with that in the Premier League. No, nope, you definitely would not get away with that in the Premier League, and I'm not sure any other player that Messi could get away with that in any league, to be honest. Yeah, he's a, he's a luxury. He's not worth it. Waste waste the time. Waste the time. <laughs> um, are there any other injuries you'd like to update our listeners on, Ben? I am. Um, we picked up um, Stoke. Have had some issues today. Um, the, the Ryan Shawcross. Um, it looks like he could be out for the remainder of the festive period with a cough problem. Um, I, I said, you know, possibly, you know, tests are ongoing. Um, but he was replaced during today's game in the, in the first half. Initial thoughts are that it is an actual strain, you know, so we'd be looking at least two to three weeks with that. Um, now, the reason that is, is, you know, such a devastating blow, I think, for Stoke at this point, um, they actually travelled to Stamford Bridge in the next game, and Kurt Zuma would be ruled out of that game. He's, he, you know, he's on loan from Chelsea, and he's ineligible to face his parent club. Now, you, you throw in the fact that Bruno Martins Indy is also injured, and that gives um, Stoke some big problems at the back. Um, Glenn Johnson also struggling with a knee problem. Eric Peters, uh, he's got a hip injury. Um, and also, uh, Tom Edwards was seen uh, post-match with his calf aced as well. Um, it's, what it's certainly going to mean is, it's, is Jeff Cameron, um, dropping into to either a, a back three or a, or a back four for that game. So, you know, wh- wh- whatever happens there, it's not going to be ideal for Mark Hughes. Yep, definitely. Um, and another thing to kind of get into is um, with the Spanish clubs actually shortening their holiday break, um, but they still have about a week and a half to two weeks off, Germany having almost six weeks off, do you think that these English clubs could really prevent or prevent some of these injuries by implementing even a short break of maybe a week or two to allow some of these players to recover, even the ones that have small knocks, especially as these clubs kind of get into the FA Cup again and going into February, the Champions League? Yeah, I think, you know, it's something that's been discussed uh, a lot. Um, you know, I've been collecting data now for... Um, sort of seven, eight years. And, and, and around this period, we often see, you know, a massive spike in the number of, of reported um, injuries, and particularly around um, muscular strains uh, and, and, and tears, you know, uh, hamstrings, coughs, groin, um, quadriceps, those types of things. Um, and, you know, if, if you were to talk to, to players and coaches and managers, you know, would we want to win a break? Yes. Um, I think you know the traditionalists would would see us play um, on on Boxing Day and, and throughout Christmas and New Year. I think that has to remain. 
But, you know, if we could maybe um, look to implement, you know, even just a fortnight break uh, in the January um, to, to help players recharge their batteries, that would be great. However, the concern, I suppose, this side would be, you know, it's all well and good having this break and what we do at the end of the, you know, in the close season, um, yeah, fine, but allow players to rest and don't go putting in, you know, friendly games over the other side of the world. You know, after a long, hard Premier League season, we often see clubs like Manchester United and, and Manchester City and, and Chelsea, you know, flying off to the United States to do end-of-season friendlies. Um, you know, players should be resting and, and recovering, um, using that period um, to allow their bodies to recover after a long, hard season. So, you know, yeah, by all means, put the break in, but, but players must be allowed to, to enjoy that break. And, and clubs, you know, and, and chairmen shouldn't see that as an opportunity to try and maybe shoehorn in um, friendlies for, you know, commercial purposes. Yeah, definitely. And there's actually quite a bit of um, German teams that are using this break to kind of do a winter tour almost of countries that sometimes they may not be able to get into during their summer breaks with all the training going on. Um, And also clubs such as PSV and Rangers that are actually coming over to the United States and competing in Florida, which is kind of astounding given the distance between the two countries and um, the fact that all these clubs are very hard hit with injuries, and these are friendly matches, and there's kind of no benefit other than money and marketing um, to kind of play in these matches. Yeah, you know, I know you touched upon the the Bundesliga has a round about a a six-week break, and I certainly wouldn't be advocating for for you know a uh, rest for that types of period. I would think you know maybe just something around maybe uh, you know 14 days, possibly 21 days, um, from the beginning. You know, get the New Year's fixtures out of the way, um, and and then have a short little break, and then come back um, towards the end of January. I think that would be that would be great. You know, allow players just to, you know, particularly those who are involved in, um, you know, international games, whether that be the World Cup or European Championships, Copa America. Um, you know, these players are playing sort of, you know, year in, year out. You know, nigh on 365 days a year they're, they're involved in either training and, and match play. So, you know, I, I think for um, domestically, for our teams to maybe... Um, you know, progress and, and challenge with the best of the teams in Europe, but also internationally, you know, heading into the summer tournaments around, the, you know, the World Cups. I think, you know, players need to go in, need to be, you know, refreshed. And I think we need that break. It's, it's the accumulation of fatigue, um, you know, and picking up these, these injuries, which are potentially ruling players out for two and three and four months at a time during key periods which is the issue which has sort of held particularly the national team back, maybe. You know, it's certainly one theory um, for a long time now. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, It definitely benefits the player. It gives them a fair chance to get back into the squad without any pressure on them from managers or from ownership to kind of get them forced back into the lineup. And it helps the fans too because 
everybody wants to see these clubs at their best with the best players in their lineup competing for these very um, great trophies. Uh, we want the best players in every game, and I think a break would kind of help um, move that along. Yeah, I mean, you know, around this time of year and particularly around sort of certain um, domestic cup competitions, the Carabao Cup and, you know, even even the FA Cup, which was the third round starts in January, what we'll see is it's almost the, the devalue the competition. We will see um, teams making eight, nine, ten, eleven changes on, on some occasions. You know, fans are, are paying good money to see their teams, they're traveling long distances. Um, they want to see their best players um, in, in peak performance, performing. Um, you know, and it, it, the way the, the scheduling works at the moment, you know, and I think sometimes um, fans are getting a little bit of a, a raw deal with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's it for today. So I would like to thank all of our listeners again for listening to the second episode of the Fantasy Doctors Soccer Podcast. You can follow me, Andy Serafin, on my Twitter and Instagram at FootyNox to keep track of all injuries in the sport of soccer. Um, also follow my co-host, Ben Dinnery, at Ben Dinnery on Twitter, as well as his website, PremierInjuries.com, um, to keep a very close eye and a detailed look at every injury in the Premier League um, going back several years. Is that right, Ben? I, I would say that base going back seven years. I mean, the site is under the, uh, you know, it's still being developed at the moment. So what we have in, in terms of what's available, um, you know, as open source data would be all the current uh, injuries uh, and, and players who are unavailable. Um, and at some point we will be looking to, to add historical stuff there. We're looking to produce, you know, a lot of um, graphics and, and just looking at the stats, you know, particularly around this time of year, um, we get a lot of questions, you know, uh, about hamstring, you know, uh, anything that's sort of relevant and pertinent to the day. Um, we often dig into that that, that database and, and we produce lots of stuff to try and, um, you know, visualize the stuff that we've got behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely. Everybody check out that website, Premier League or premierinjuries.com. So once again, thank you for listening today, and we'll hope to keep you tuned next week. 